return is very close And so you better be believing that our God is an awesome God Our God is an awesome God Welcome to a service at Holy Life Tabernacle in Brookings, South Dakota. We are proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. Now let's go into the sanctuary and here's today's message. Fourth uh, tomorrow night, which will be great. Wednesday will be great as well. Prayer here and the service Wednesday. Albert's going to share Wednesday. Worship team practice Wednesday. With Sydney and Loretta, Ladies Bible Study Thursday. I think they're decorating one of those times, too, that ladies decorating some things for Christmas. Hallelujah. And that is wonderful. Hallelujah. Got Kids Rock today, just three to first grade. And they're heading in the back and so forth. Kaiser Kai's got it or Gabriella's got it. Hallelujah. Amen. Glad that we can share the gospel also online, just to messages of hope we've had. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people around the world that have tuned into that to be encouraged, to be uh, ministered to by the Holy Spirit. Amen. Uh, thankful for how the Internet works and uh, that we can broadcast good news. If you're joining us, it's good news. The good news is in Jesus Christ. No matter what your background, he's as close as the mention of his name. To just say Jesus. You don't have to shout it even. Just whisper it. Say Jesus. But I tell you what. When you do that. He will manifest his presence to you. He will show who he is to you. You'll have a revelation of that. An epiphany. Like ah. He's the son of God. He is the son of God. He is our risen savior. He is alive today. He's doing miracles today. Amen. Amen. All right. Let's stand with me just for a second. Say with me. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God. I boldly confess. My mind is alert. My heart is receptive. I'm about to receive the incorruptible, indestructible, ever-living seed of the Word of God. I will never be the same. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Hallelujah. Hope is an anchor for us. It is an anchor. I found another anchor to have. Now, if you don't read your Bible, if you don't read your Bible or apply the Word of God, it's like having an anchor in the boat and never using it. And just letting the wind blow you. You've got to use the anchor. Psalm 125, Psalm 125 and verse 1 just says, Those who trust in, lean on, and confidently hope in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved but abides and stands forever. Now, here's, here's just a word. We trust, we lean, we confidently hope. And so what, what does that do? It brings stability. Mount Zion's not moved. It brings stability into your life, right? Brings, it brings, it brings a, an anchor. It's an anchor of hope. Wow, just, was, that, was that just yesterday? You're at Hobby Lobby or some store? A store. Here comes a guy out of the store, and he's, you know, 50-ish or so. 
And he comes up to Jeannie and he starts saying, I, I, I don't know what we're going to do. And it's like, you know, she, we don't know this person, hasn't talked to her, before. she hadn't talked to him. And he comes up, he says, I just don't know what we're going to do. And then he starts talking about the coronavirus and he starts talking about the world. And this guy's all unraveled. And so Jeannie said, well, you know what I would do if I were you? I would read in the Bible Psalm 91. And that we can trust in the Lord. And the guy went quiet for a little bit. They started off again. I don't know what we're going to do. I don't know what the kids are going to do. And it's like, this is the world. And of course, now think about this. If you don't have an anchor of hope, the last days it says men's actually, their hearts will fail out of fear. They'll be thinking so much about the world and the things in the world that their hearts, their hearts physically will fail out of fear. Now, Jesus gives us hope. He gives us an anchor. The winds may blow. Folks, winds have always blown through history, all right? All kinds of things have happened through history. But if you have your eyes on Jesus and you let him be your hope, you become stable. Say stable. Stable means you're anchored to a place. You're anchored to a place of security. And that place of security is in Jesus Christ. It's in his word. It doesn't matter. You know, people look at this talk. Oh, the market's going to crash or this is going to happen. Folks, it doesn't matter. God's already been to your tomorrow. Hello. He's already been to my tomorrow. He knows what tomorrow holds. But if I hold on to him, I'm holding on to something that cannot be shaken. There is stability. If I confidently hope, if I trust, if I lean on him, we're going to be like Mount Zion. Cannot be moved. Abides forever. So we stand in the Lord Jesus Christ and we stand in this place of being fixed like, I'm not worried. Folks, I'm not worried. I'm not worried. You can sleep well at night. You don't, if you, let's say, say this, if you have a bad dream, just get up, pray, say, thank you, Jesus. That'll clear the air real quick. And go back to bed. He becomes your strength. He becomes your stability. There's a verse we saw the other day in Matthew 12, and this is in the Living Bible, but it says, His name shall be the hope of all the world. <laughs> well, that name is the name of Jesus. Say Jesus. That's why we want to speak that name. So we're not saying God is the hope of all the world. No, we're saying, let's be specific. Jesus Christ is the hope of all the world. There are a lot of gods, so let's be specific that we're going to anchor our hope and our trust in Jesus Christ. And he's the hope of all the world. Amen. Amen. He's coming back someday. The Bible actually says every eye will see him coming. <laughs> Those who love him, hallelujah. Those who don't will mourn. But this is a time that for all believers just to have your trust, your hope, your confidence in the Lord. Hallelujah. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 8. Now you'll have to excuse my helmet today. It's the only one I could find, so don't look at the sides of it. But I want you to look at the front of it, all right? I want you to look at the front of the helmet. What does the front of the helmet say? It says hope, all right? So 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 8, start there. It says, but us who are the day, uh, day of the sword, putting on the breastplate of faith and hope, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. So I'm walking around in life. Now, what does the helmet do? It protects my brain, Right? Protects your brain. Boy, when you knock on that, it's kind of loud. I remember getting hit in games. It was loud sometimes. 
Don't hear all that up in the stands, but it gets loud. So the helmet becomes a, a protector of your brain. What does that mean? Protector of your thoughts. Anybody can have thoughts. Anybody can be tempted to worry, tempted to complain, tempted to look at the world in, in the wrong way and so forth. But the helmet is going to protect your thinking every day, right? We wear this. It's not like this is an object lesson here, of course, but we should wear this all the time, right? So it will protect your mental health. Mental health will help your physical health, too. So if you're, phys- if you're mentally thinking right and so forth, it's going to help your body to also be in the right place. Wearing the helmet, the hope of salvation, affects your perspective on life. How do we look at life? Of course, we've all heard the example, example of glasses either half full or half empty. Well, folks, people in America have a glass that's 99% full. You live in, turn to your neighbor and say, you live in America. Turn to somebody else and say, you have first world problems. You don't have third world problems. All right. You got clean water. You got warm shower. You got food in the table. And if you don't have, the government will take care of you. You got everything you could possibly imagine. So anything in this world for us, say in America, first world, not a big deal. That's why everybody's trying to get to America. That's why everybody's risking their life to get to the West. Is because it's pretty nice here. Right? So we wear this helmet of hope, all right, that we can have for everything that we face, amen? Everyday thinking. Everyday thinking. You get up in the morning. How do you think in the morning? You think, oh, it's morning. Or do you say, good morning, Lord. Hallelujah. Everything, everything going back to hope. What do we have hope for? Well, we have a lot of hope. The devil, the devil gets people to places where they lose hope and therefore think, I have no reason to live. And that is a giant lie. When we have every reason to live. Every reason to live. Every reason to give thanks and praise to God. So we wear this helmet of hope. Now, believe me, what happened? What happened just just yesterday with Jeannie, or the yeah Friday with Jeannie, or Saturday at a store? This is the world today. The world's becoming unraveled. Oh, there's a new there's a new variant out there. Oh, this has happened. Oh, the economy's collapsing. The devil. If you take the bait, the devil will keep leading you on and leading you on and leading you on. Where pretty soon you're just taking medication. Medication to sleep at night, medication to calm you down, medication to try to fix everything in your life. You got to get a close picture. (laughs) All right, I'll smile because I have hope. (laughs) See, what are you going to give when we we talked about the scripture in in Peter giving an answer of the hope that lies within you. So someone asked you, what what kind of answer are you going to give? Well, you want to give an answer that directs them to Jesus Christ and the Word of God. Because, because there isn't like, it's like, oh, well, I, I've got a lot of hope because I've got money in the bank. I've got a lot of hope because I'm healthy. I've got a lot of hope because I have good reports or my kids are doing good or something. No, no, no. It's not based on the external things. It's based on a relationship with the one who never moves. He is our stability. He is our hope. 
Amen. Why, why do I look forward to the future? Because he's our hope. That's why as Christians even, we're looking forward to the coming of the Lord. He's our hope. That's why we witness. He's our hope. He can be their hope. People don't have to live in fear. They don't have to live with anxieties. They don't have to live with all the things that oppress them. But we can live in the victory because of the hope of Jesus Christ. So the scripture again in Romans, Romans chapter 15, verse 4, talks about the word of God, the scripture written for us. And it says, through the scriptures, we might have hold fast and cherish hope. Now, that's through the scriptures. Now, that's if you take hold of the scriptures. Amen. You've got, it's got to be used, right? The Bible's got to be used. Otherwise, again, like the anchor in the boat that's never used. And you can say, oh, it's so windy out here. Oh, we're blown to the rocks. Okay, why don't you use it? Right? Now, a common sense person, obviously, you throw the anchor out of the boat. You anchor it down so you're not going to blow into the rocks and wreck your boat. The same thing spiritually. Actually, we have Christians that don't know the Bible. They don't read the Bible. It's not, it's not, it's like, oh, lots of people say, well, God has everything under control. And folks, well, that's not true. If that were true, then we'd say, well, he's killing people. Isn't that right? If he's got it under control, then he's the one killing people. He's the one causing the harm. He's the one doing all these things when he's not. Amen. The one who does that, of course, is the God of this world, small g, which is the devil. He's the one causing the problem. So in Christ, in the scripture, we can have this hope. Oh, I love it. I, I just love thinking about it, you know, because, because it becomes an anchor. It becomes our stability. 15, Romans 15, go down a few verses, verse 13. says he's the God of hope. May the God of hope. Say hope. Now, notice what he wants to do. He wants to fill you. Say, fill. Now, fill isn't, fill isn't exactly, it isn't 50%. Fill is 100%, right? He wants to fill you with joy and peace, but you have to believe it. Now, believing means I'm actually going to go to the Word of God. I'm actually going to apply what the Bible says. I'm going to do what the Bible says. And when that happens, all of a sudden, I keep getting filled with hope. I was at the, the doctor's office again this week. I have checkups. See, years ago, I had aggressive cancer. Years ago, they didn't think I would live this long. And the doctor comes into the room. His words, his words, he says, you're the miracle man. He's just looking at me, smiling. He's a Christian. And I said, well, praise the Lord. <laughs> and he said, yes, praise the Lord. But what are they always doing? They're always looking for cancer, right? Yeah. See, you can live, you can live in fear, you know, the blood tests and all the looking for cancers, cancer cells and so forth. Or you can just live in hope. Amen. I've been the other way around in those things where, where uh, years ago and so forth, blood tests and they're looking for things. I'd gone through treatments, all kinds of things. Well, this isn't good. Bad report doesn't change the Lord. Amen? doesn't change the Lord. I'm sitting in the doctor's office. Well, I'm going to trust in the Lord. He looks at me like, okay, and let's do some other things too. We've got to keep you alive. Try to keep you alive here. Amen. You can walk in in peace. You can walk out in peace regardless of your circumstances. You understand that? If you don't apply it to your everyday life and build your faith muscles, you will never apply it when you get a bad report. 
So when, when's the best time to prepare yourself? Like now, right? You prepare yourself for adversity. The best time is before there's adversity. Before there's a trial, a test, a storm or so forth, you prepare yourself ahead of time for storms and folks, storms are coming just storms in the natural, and we've talked about persecution and so forth. Storms are coming. You prepare yourself ahead of time for the days that are coming. So when the days come, you can stand in peace with hope and give answers to people around you. Amen? Amen? Hopefully people can get saved. Hallelujah. So the God of hope will fill you. It's not like, not like joy. It's not like you're just giddy, like, <laughs> everything's a joke. No, it's not a joke. But can it feel you like, oh, you're so good. Life is so good. Folks, life is good, right? You want to tell yourself that all the time. You get it if you're breathing. Oh, I'm breathing. Hallelujah. Life is good. Breath. The breath of life. Peace, when you believe, all right, through the experience of your faith, what you're doing, but the power of the Holy Spirit, that you may abound and be overflowing and bubbling over with hope. So I want to overflow. My hope is related to the joy level, the peace level, <laughs> the life that I'm living. We, we love living in revival. We just love living in the presence of the Lord. I mean, all the time. It's not like, it's not like we come here and, and we do something different here than what we do at home. We just, just do this all the time. We love living in revival. We love living where your spirit is energized. You're talking to Jesus. You're hearing his word. You're writing down scriptures. You're applying it in your everyday life. Amen. You don't have to wait for some external outside thing like, okay, Lord, I just want to revival to shock me. <laughs> well, you're probably going to wait a long time. Or you can just decide to live the word of God. And if the Bible says it, that really settles it. Whether you believe it or not, it settles it. And so you want to apply it, go after it, and live this life that you're just like, oh, what a great day. What a great day. So it's not based on the weather. It's not based on the economy. It's not based on external, you know, stimulus. It's based on this relationship. Notice again, through the power of the Holy Spirit, you can do this. Turn to your neighbor and say, you can do this. You can abound and overflow with hope. Hallelujah. I like that. Now, let's go to Psalm 100. Hope is fueled, I believe, by thanksgiving. It's fueled by thanksgiving. So, you just, just take a look like, the, like you go to the oil... Some of you might not even know the car has an oil stick. But anyway, you can pull out an oil stick. It'll tell you the depth of where the oil is supposed to be in the car. Obviously, if it's low, you, you want to do something. Or let's put it this way. If the red light comes on in the car, you want to do something, right? That reminds me. When we were in Liberia, remember Liberia? <laughs> oh, boy. That car had so many red lights on it, I couldn't believe it. I took a picture of it. I mean, anything you could think of with as far as an engine light, you know, we're, dry, we're driving. I said, uh, should we stop? It's fine. It's fine. I said, should we pull over? It's fine. Of course, where are you going to pull over? There's no air pumps. The tire, all the tires are low. The engine light is, is uh, on, the battery light is on, uh, all these lights. And so, but, but he was sure it was okay. And of course, we're just his passengers in the back seat. And this is a Christian guy driving. He was helping us out. What's that? 
Oh, we went to the village. Yeah. Of course, we, we break down on the road. We're in the middle of no, we're in the jungle area. We break down on the road and like, okay, cars steaming and so forth. And so we opened the doors and then people came by and they were selling us fried plantains. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Reading fried, fried plantains in the road. And, and, uh, but he wasn't concerned about, oh yeah, yeah. It was so good. So then finally we got some water poured into it from a creek or someplace. I don't know. And got on our way. And we broke down again later, too. So, you know, red lights. You know, so check your Thanksgiving level. Folks, if you're not thankful, you're going to have breakdowns. If you're not thankful, the oil level's going to get low. Things are going to... You know, it's not work right. All right? Life isn't going to flow good. Bible says to make a joyful noise to the Lord all your lands. It doesn't say, it doesn't say the Holy Spirit will make you do this. You no, know, you just decide to do that. You decide, you know what, I'm going to make a joyful noise. And, of course, lots of people, they, that could be defined in a lot of ways. I mean, if you can go to games, if someone scores, you hear a lot of noise, and you would interpret that as joyful, right? Ha! Yeah. Oh, you know, they're cheering, they're shouting, and they're doing all kinds of things, you know. Incidentally, you know, I saw a number of games yesterday. Yesterday was a day I just watched these rivalry games and stuff. People were wild. They were... Some people say they're wacko or whatever, and everybody loves it. They love it. They're a fan. They're a fanatic for their team. And the same way, folks, for Jesus, someone can say, well, you're a Jesus freak. Well, that's a compliment. Thank you. I'm glad you recognize it's Jesus. Yes, I am excited about Jesus. I want to worship that way. I want to live that way. I love shouting to the Lord. Been on the other side of the fence, you know, the devil's crowd. And I want to, I'm on his side now. I want to shout for the Lord, for he is good. Amen. Amen. So, so a joyful noise is something you make to the Lord. Amen. We all do this. Amen. And you serve the Lord with gladness. So it's not like, oh boy. Serve the Lord. This isn't like a church. This is every day. So from the time you get up to the time you go to bed, from the rising of the sun till it goes down till you go to bed, the name of the Lord is to be praised. We call, we're called into service. You're, you're in service in your house. You're in service with your kids or your grandkids or in your job. You're in service to the Lord in your job. It's all service to the Lord. And you serve the Lord with gladness and you come before His presence. I know in your job you can't be probably singing and shouting, but you can in your car or your home, you can come before his presence with singing. And you can know, you can understand that the Lord is God. He's, he made us. We are not ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Amen. So your heavenly father, the one who has everything from the beginning to the end, is the one who holds us in, our, in his hands. And you can know, there's a word there, know, right? Know, recognize, understand, perceive who your God is. So if we're thankful, it begins to fuel, or hope begins, is Thanksgiving fuels hope. It's like, a, what is it talking about here? It's a spirit-filled lifestyle, right? It's, some people think, you know, yeah, I worship the Lord, I, I go to church. That, yeah, you should do that at church, but this is a lifestyle. This is a daily lifestyle. Amen? Something you do, it's something you practice. Something like, you know, it says to do that, I think I'm going to try that. 
Now, you might feel even a little inhibited by others or embarrassed. Go to another room or just get in your car and just start shouting to the Lord. Some of you look at me like, wow, he had too much coffee this morning. That is a lifestyle. That is what you do. Amen? It is what you do. I mean, I've, I've, I've had people pull up at lights before, kind of looking like, what is he doing over there, you know? It's rejoicing. It's being thankful. It's saying hallelujah. It's being excited. I don't want to, Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of my Savior. I'm not ashamed of the one who changed my life. Right? So we, what are we doing here? We're learning. We're learning to walk into a spirit-filled life. Now, some people just equate spirit-filled life. They say, oh, yeah, well, I speak in tongues. Okay, that, beside the point, what are you doing on your daily walk? What do you, how, what do you like in your home? Now, I'm not in your home, but I know Jesus is. I know Jesus sees everything you do, everything you say. Jesus sees your actions. He sees the things that go on in your marriage. So, so go to verse 4 there a second, verse 4 and 5. So enter his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise, be thankful. Notice the word just says be, just, just be it. Be thankful. Of course, we celebrate in our nation a day of thanksgiving. That's wonderful. But as Christians, we live a life, a daily life of thanksgiving. Be thankful unto the Lord and bless and effectually praise his name. Now, again, we're entering his gates with thanksgiving. So, so what happens is thanksgiving becomes a password into his presence. If we're serving a God of hope, then thanksgiving becomes a password into hope. If you feel like your life is a little pessimistic, and see, we can all say, well, I was just raised this way. Okay, that's fine, but now you have a new DNA. If you're a Christian, you get a new DNA, you get a new bloodline, and this DNA corresponds with the, with the report of the Bible. So now I lend myself to that new DNA to, that my life is affected by that. And rather than me making an excuse, well, I was raised this way. Folks, I was raised in liturgical denomination, you know. So, I mean, when I got saved, we started living for the Lord and stuff. My, our families just thought we came from another planet. They thought, they're our kids, but they're not like our kids. Yeah, we're not anymore. We had a new DNA. We took on a new family. So the password Thanksgiving brought us into this relationship, into his presence, so many times have you ever thought, I wish God would do something. I wish God would do something. And I think his response is, now I want you to do something. I want you to do something. I want you to praise me. I want you to be thankful. I want you to exalt my name. See, we want, we want to see something. We want to see something and say, oh, okay, I'm not going to be thankful for that. And he's the opposite. We walk by faith, not by sight. That we're going to apply our faith. So we're going to see it before we see it. We're going to give thanks before it's manifested. Because of who he is. So I'm walking into his presence with thanksgiving. And I keep going right into his very courts with praise. It fuels hope. Amen. It fuels hope. 
Now notice what it says. For the Lord is good. His mercy, loving kindness are everlasting. They never stop. You know, when I say scripture-wise, his mercies are new every morning. Oh, this morning, man. Of course, it's up early. It's dark and stuff. And then off into the eastern sky, it was just brilliant, red, red, red. You'd think it was fake, the, the sunrise. Before the sun ever got up, but you saw it in the clouds. We got pictures of it on the phone. Snapped it to the kids right away to say, hey, mercies are new every morning. <laughs> He's always working. Amen. His loving kindness never stops. His faithfulness endures to all generations. You ever stop and think, wow, if Jesus doesn't come back, what will it be like for my kids or grandkids? Well, his faithfulness endures to all of them. What do we do? What do we do with our children or grandchildren? We keep steering them to Jesus. We keep steering them to the Word of God. We keep lifting their eyes. Look to Jesus. Look to what He's saying. Look at, the, look at His goodness and grace. Amen. People, people have gone from this church all over the world, and then we just encourage them, follow Jesus. It's not like, yeah, now find another church in the denomination. So many people identify with the denomination when they really need to identify with Jesus Christ. He is your Savior. He is the only one who can help you. So we have our trust and our hope and our assurance, our, our stability in him. But a key, a key is thankfulness. Turn to your neighbor and say, you can do that. Now, Acts 16, Acts 16, verse 25, just a verse here. But you know the story of Paul and Silas. And they're in jail. And they're in cuffs, they're in chains, and they've been beaten. I'm sure they don't feel good. They've been bruised. They've been humiliated. They have all these things happening. So there's no external stimuli to say, wow, hallelujah, we're just so blessed here. (laughs) But at the midnight hour, when it would seem to be the darkest, that is when they're praying and singing hymns. That's when they're praising God out loud, probably quite loud, and the prisoners are hearing them. So at the time when you'd think, oh boy, I I don't know if there's any hope here or so forth, but they had this inside perspective that the Lord is good. He's bigger than my circumstances. And they start saying, folks, it doesn't, it's amazing how fast God can work, but you can have a dark, dark situation and out of your mouth, you just start praising him. Say, I just want to thank you, Lord. Boom. That situation, your perspective can change in a moment. In a moment. He will invade. Light invades darkness. He will invade. And darkness cannot hold light back. Right? Can't hold light back. So it's not like we can have, like, come in here and say, well, I've got to... I've got a canister of darkness I'm going to release into the room. And then there's a little cloud of darkness. So can't do that. Light pushes back darkness all the time. But you can have darkness. You can have darkness. You can have a little tiny flashlight and boop. It'll pierce the darkness. So when we call on the Lord, Paul and Silas. Now, when did they learn this? Well, Paul obviously learned this before. Before there was a storm, before he's in jail, before he's whipped and beaten, before he faced all these circumstances, I'm sure they constantly just practice things. By practice, I mean you just live it. You just live the Bible. You live the Word of God. 
I mean, we like getting up in the morning and just say, hallelujah. And then, and then thanking God for every little thing we have. We've got heat. Some people think you're crazy. Got a warm shower. You know, well, I've had cold ones. A lot of them. I don't like cold showers. And if I get a cold one, I say, thank you for water. I'll find some reason to thank the Lord, right? But, but the point is, you can live in this place that you're allowing hope fueled by thanksgiving to fill your heart. Now this, of course, event happened. We go back some verses in the book of Acts chapter 16. It happened in this town of Philippi. All right, I think it's verse 12. So it happens in Philippi. So later, later, of course, when they're there, later, of course, Paul writes a letter to the church in this town, in this city. We go to Philippians 4, chapter 4. And, of course, when you get to Philippians chapter 4 now, this church is reading Paul's words. Now, Paul's words had a lot of power to them because they saw his lifestyle of faith. Folks, there's a lot of people. I, I'm just going to be honest. There's a lot of people in Christendom, a lot of leaders, leaders in Christendom, that their words mean about as much as what I want to throw in the trash box. Because I don't see their walk of faith. I see people parading around. I see people playing the game, you know. But then on the side, they got another game they're doing, you know, their little thing and so forth, grumpy and complaining and look, running after money and all kinds of stuff like that. This is the real deal. This is the thing. This is the thing your children and grandchildren are going to look at. So my children have seen me with bad reports and they've seen the response. My children have seen me in surgeries and they've seen the response. My children have listened to me in my home, and then they see the response. What does that do? It plants something. So then when you say, when you say rejoice in the Lord always, all of a sudden it's like, well, that means something. That's rock solid faith. He's talking to the people in that community and maybe some of them in that church were in that jail. Or maybe some of them were part of the, the security part of the prison. We don't know. But when he says rejoice in the Lord always, it means something. You can't just parrot something to your kids. Now we ought to be thankful for that. And then you're grumpy, grumpy, grumpy. Well, that doesn't mean anything to your kids. Kids are smart. Amen. Very smart. So they're going to watch your steps. They're going to watch your actions. They're going to listen to what's coming out of mama and daddy's mouths. Or your friend's mouths, if you have friends and so forth, school, whatever. That's what means something. Amen? Isn't that right? Would this mean anything if Paul, if we put it in the scripture, and Paul grumbled and complained in the jail, and Paul cussed at the jailer, and Paul did this and that, and Paul threw his food back at the jailer, you know, would that mean anything? No. Zero. But he writes it to the church there, and they're all reading it like, this is what Apostle Paul says to us, and they read it publicly. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Hallelujah! Powerful. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Now, one of the things you can see in different versions, different versions say different things. I like the word moderation, your self-control. What does that mean? Control your thoughts. 
Okay, whose, whose head is on your shoulders? Yours. So Jeannie can't control my thoughts. I can't control hers. I can't control anybody. I can't control yours. My thoughts are my responsibility. So I have to do my part to control. If I'm going to live in hope and live in peace and live in praise, I've got to do my part to control my thoughts. Isn't that right? I mean, even, you know, we have all kinds of things. People want, people want governments, people want others to tell, tell me what to do. Why don't you think about what you should do? Why don't you take responsibility for your life? You don't have to tell, have somebody else tell you what to do. You're not, you're not in kindergarten here. You're an adult. So your moderation, your self-control, the, you know, you're controlling your thoughts should be very pivotal. Right? Why? Because the Lord is hand. If I realize that, I realize, well, we're in a critical moment in life. When you think of all history, the point is, I didn't live in the past history, and I'm not in the future over here, but as you get older in life, this you're living your history right now. So it's important. The Lord is at hand. Don't worry when it says, be careful. Don't worry about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, notice the word, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So we're in this place, we're in this place of trusting the Lord, resisting worry, praying, but as we pray, we're giving thanks. And what are we thanking God for? For the answers of what we just prayed. That's where faith comes in. Otherwise, you you could be in a prayer line and have prayer and turn right around and say, ah, nothing happened. And you just nullified what was prayed. Or we can thank God that prayer went vertical and something is happening, whether you feel or not, something is happening in the heavenly realm. God is working. I'm going to thank God for it. So notice, in everything with prayer and thank, supplication, notice, with thanksgiving. Say, give thanks. So you're thanking God for the answers. Now, the manifestation, then, is the peace of God. This manifestation, we have hope and so forth, but we, we experience... Peace. Before even we have the manifestation, we experience this peace. Notice it passes all understanding. I don't have to understand it. Well, why, why do you have peace? Why do you have hope? Why, why are you happy? Because of Jesus. That's, that's it. Yeah, but you don't have this. You don't have this. You don't have this. That's not, none of those things is based on external things. It's based on a relationship. So I'm giving thanks to the Lord. I have the peace of God passes all understanding and it keeps my heart, but also my mind keeps all those things in Christ Jesus. Peace. Now I'm saying this to you here, saying to those that are watching via uh, Facebook Live or YouTube or the church website and so forth, but your lives become an example for other people. And people are going to watch you. Corey Ten Boom, who came out of the Nazi concentration camp and survived, and she said this. She says, the godly man is the ungodly man's Bible. So the ungodly people, they're not going to read their Bible. Jeannie referred to this man to go get his Bible and read this, this portion of Scripture. But they're going to read you and I. And your job. You might hate your job, but I tell you what, you, you can be a light in your job. 
You might decide, hey, thank God I got a job. And realize that there is, there's a place of ministry. Now, the book of Colossians chapter 2 then says that we can, uh, receiving Christ Jesus, notice we receive Christ, we, we grow roots, we're built up in him, all right, and we can abound in that relationship with thanksgiving. We can go all out in thanksgiving with our relationship with the Lord. Thankful for what he's doing, thankful for what we have, thankful for answers coming. People, sometimes people think, well, I wonder if I'm standing in faith and out of faith. And many years ago, this is the verse, this is not a verse, this is the thing God gave to me. He says, praise is faith at work. If you're not giving praise and thanksgiving, you have no faith in operation. You can know, you could, you could quote the Bible front and back. Okay, that's great. But if you're not living in praise and thanksgiving, no faith. Not happening. Because God, to enter his very presence, you have to be a thankful person. You cannot enter his presence complaining. It's impossible. There is no complaining in heaven. There's no grumbling. There's no murmuring in heaven. His presence is a place of joy and peace and love and celebration because of who he is. So being in Christ Jesus, we grow roots in him, and which causes us to abound, established in the faith, abounding with thanksgiving. That thanksgiving helps you to be established. The anchor helps you to be secure. A couple more verses. Hebrews, 15, or Hebrews 13, verse 15. I like this. Because it just says that, that we offer a sacrifice of praise. And I like this because this gets down to the point where we take out of the equation, I don't feel like it. And you can go into any worship service, in any church, in any place in the world, and you're going to find people like this. You know, kind of like, make me worship. And those people are going to get absolutely nothing. Nothing. They can come. Jesus himself could show up in glory. Make me. You know, I mean, that's, that's a sad deal. When I see that, I've seen that all over. I've seen it all over the world. It says you bring a sacrifice, a sacrifice of praise. I don't, it's not based on my feelings. So many times when our daughter was critically ill at the motel, we'd lay her on the front row of the chairs. And we felt, I just felt totally in the flesh. We'd come to church, we set up the chairs, we set up the sound system, we did all the things. People would come, we'd be up worshiping, you know, because we did that then leading the worship, and we start singing, and the presence of the Lord would come. It would be so amazing, just the presence of God. Sometimes just tears coming down the face and, and feeling, like, wow, my daughter's laying in the front row. She can't sing because she lost her lung capacity. And yet the presence of the Lord. Now, we would have never experienced that if we hadn't done a sacrifice of praise. There were times when the church people here knew nothing of the things that I went through, but had a, had a bulging disc in my back where I could no longer walk, or I could not stand for over two minutes. I had a cane, and my leg, my leg had gone numb. I had a drop foot, so my foot was something you could just kind of drag. People here didn't even ask about it. 
Sundays, I'd come with the cane. I'd stand up here. When I get up here, and I got a brick that put it behind the pulpit to elevate my foot just so I could stand here longer. Total pain. Pain pills couldn't take care of it. Pretty soon, pain pills couldn't cut it. I'd been on so many pain pills that after surgery, after surgery to fix the herniated disc, I went through withdrawal. Withdrawal of pain pills. I was, I was sitting at my desk thinking, why do I feel this way? I talk about depression and things kind of caving in on me. And I'm just sitting at my desk and I'm just kind of hanging on my desk. And I open the Bible and I was thinking, why am I feeling this way? Went through withdrawal from pain pills. And yet, we would be here praising the Lord and in his presence. Thank you, Jesus. See, we didn't wear a mask like, oh, oh, woe is me. Life is hard. I have a lot of pain. Didn't do that. Walked around with a smile. Walked around praising God. Had my cane. People didn't even ask why I had a cane. I went to the doctor. I went to the doctor and this, the best neurosurgeon at that time in Sioux Falls. He saw my MRI and he called here and he said, I will see that guy right away. We had a pastor's conference going on. It was a Monday. I went down on a Monday. My brother came with me to the neurosurgeon's office, and he said, boy, you're in tough shape. But he said, I'll make room for you on Wednesday. We had a conference. So that Monday, the pastors were here Monday night, Tuesday. He says, I'll make room for you on Wednesday morning. He said, so think about it. I mean, I had a moment to think about it. He walked out of the room. I said to my brother, I said, what do you think? What, Doug, what do you think? And he said, look at you. You're a cripple. You can't even walk anymore. I said, I take that as a yes. You think I should proceed? He said, yeah, I'd proceed. So I went from the conference, 10 o'clock that night. Pastors didn't notice about it. Pastors didn't even ask. I'm in so much pain. I'm, always, I'm just sitting here the whole time. I got up at 10 o'clock. I got out of the place like this. We got in the car. We went to Sioux Falls so I could get up at 4.30 in the morning and go to the hospital. And we're in the hospital. They prep you. You do all these things. I'm in so much pain, I can't stand it because I had to miss some pain pills. They said, don't drink anything. I said, okay. I'm in so much pain. They came on. Well, this guy's in pain. They gave me a morphine shot. Didn't do a thing. I said, oh, we better do something else. Let's give him another one. They gave me another morphine shot. Didn't do a thing. They wheeled me into the surgery room, and the last thing I, they said, can you get up on the table? And I said, I'll try. <laughs> I'm trying to get myself out of this chair. And they said, let's just put him out right here. Last thing I heard, put me out in the chair. But the witness, the witness, because the other people, well, do you have a problem? No, Paul went through life again and again just praising God and celebrating his presence. And through all that, we had the presence of God. Through all the pain, through all the stuff, through all the things going on, we had the presence of God. The Lord is faithful, folks. You apply these things now in your life. You don't wait for someday and then like, let's see, now Pastor Dave said something about this and I guess I should try this. No, too late. Because pain will overwhelm you. Circumstances can overwhelm you. The time you prepare is ahead of time. And notice what it says here. Sacrifice to praise. That is the fruit of your lips. Say my lips. 
The fruit of my lips is giving thanks to Jesus. The fruit of your... So think about this. Right now, this last week, take an inventory of your lips. What have your lips been saying? Maybe when everything is wonderful, what have your lips been saying? The fruit of your lips should bring thanksgiving. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. You're so good, Lord. Amen. Amen? The fruit of your lips giving thanks to his name because he is so good. Hallelujah. Those are the things that affect us when? Every day. All the time. In every circumstance. Everything that's going on. Amen? I mean, some people... They came in, they came in, they said, did that, did that morphine shot help? I said, no, but thank you. And then they said, maybe you should give another. I said, that would be good, thanks. Thanking nurses, thanking doctors, thanking people. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Amen. That should be the hugest habit in your life. To be saying thank you. All the time. So, First Thessalonians 5, we'll close with this. Rejoice always, of course. He's writing again. You pray without ceasing. It's not like a prayer meeting. You know, it's never like Jesus said, Hey, we got a prayer meeting Tuesday night, 10 o'clock. Got a prayer meeting in the morning. They live prayer. You can gather and pray, of course, but you live prayer. Amen? It's a relationship. You can live in revival. It's just constant all the time. What is prayer? You're just talking to the Lord. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for that answer, Lord. Thank you for working. Thank you for moving by your spirit. Now notice, what is the will of God? In everything, give thanks. He said, well, I just want the will of God. Well, then start giving thanks. That is key. Turn to your neighbor and say, that is a key for you. (laughs) That is a key for you. This is the will of God to give thanks in all circumstances. Not, not because he'll cause them all, but he's your answer in them all. Amen. This is the will of God for me. This is the will of God for you and I. To give thanks. To say thank you, Jesus. Now, when do we start this? Right now. So let's, let's just close our eyes for a minute. And out of your mouth, you just sort of say, thank you, Jesus. Just a simple, simple thanksgiving to the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for saving me. Man, we sang a song today and I said, oh man, thank you for saving me. Remember getting saved. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you for forgiveness. Thank you for healing. Thank you that I'm alive. Hallelujah. You should thank God you're alive. You should thank God for your breath. You should, there's people, the, the people that have been afflicted with uh, COVID or whatever, can't breathe. Fighting for breath. You should thank God for breath. Thank you, Jesus, for breath. The breath of life. Lord, thank you for your grace. Thank you. You're bigger than any of my problems, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for provision. Thank you for taking care of us, Lord. Thank you for holding the future, Lord God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You're coming again. And we bless you, Lord God. You're coming again. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we thank you for all that you're doing, all your love, Lord God. We just, we celebrate you, Jesus. We celebrate you, Jesus. We got here in a car today, most of us. Thank you, Lord, for a car. 
Thank you for heat. Thank you for clothes, Lord. Thank you for food. Lord, you're so good. You're so good. You're so good. Hallelujah. Let's all stand up in his Lord, presence. Lord, we love you so much. Lord, we thank you. You are our anchor. Our hope is in you. Our trust is in you, Jesus. We thank you for giving us stability. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. That we can live in your presence. Live in revival. Live, Lord, abounding in hope. Hallelujah. With your peace that passes all understanding. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Just keep worshiping the ah, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. The Bible says that, that Pastor Dave Thank said the Jesus. verse about Thank using our Jesus. voice and yes. using, making a joyful noise. Amen. Yes. Say amen. Joyful. Making a joyful noise unto joyful God. Noise. And I remember yes. when I was 19 hallelujah. years old coming up to an altar like mm. this. There may be some people young Hallelujah. or old that want to come to the front here. And I was very uh, held back and intimidated and withdrawn. Amen? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and But when the Spirit comes upon you, you shall Thank receive you, power. Amen. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, Thank you, Jesus. you shall be witnesses in Jerusalem, Thank Judea, you, Samaria, Lord, and around you. the world. Yes, Lord. So I came up to this altar you, like this. And a man named Nick came up to me and he Thank said, you, you know, keep praising the Lord. Come on now. Keep praising. I'm telling you right now. Keep praising. Yeah, keep praising. Yeah, yeah. And Nick said to me, you know what? Thank you. Thank you. You may need to shout unto God. Amen. And I'm like, that is not me. I am not going to lift my I No, I am not. I did not raise my voice. I didn't even raise my voice when I got upset with my siblings. Some people are like that. Come on. Amen. Yeah. Come on. But when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, yes. come on, if you want to fill yes. this altar yes. right here, Hallelujah. let's do it. Come fill the altar. Thank you, and Jesus. And I began to say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. And then I said, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Go ahead, begin to lift your voices. Thank you, Jesus. And I began to say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. And I began to picture Jesus on the cross. Yes, Lord. And I saw him you, hanging Jesus. there for me. Yeah. Thank you for listening to this inspirational message. We trust that you were encouraged in your faith. For additional information or resources, please contact the church at 605-692-4616. You can email us at holylifeatbrookings.net or visit our website at holylifetabernacle.com. If you're in the Brookings area, please stop by to visit a service. We are located at 241 Mustang Pass, just off Main Avenue South. Our service times are Sundays at 10 a.m. and 6.30 p.m., also Wednesday nights at 7. God bless you.